Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Stand to your feet. Come on, let's stand together. Grab your Bibles. Let's get into the Word of God. It's so good to have everyone here. And I do want to give you a reminder as well about the night of thanks. Uh, It's not going to be on Wednesday. The church service is going to be on a Tuesday. And we're going to, we call it pie night is what we normally call it. This was actually started by our good friend, Ophemia Slavic. How many of you know Ophemia? She said one day, she came up to me and she said, you know, pastor, can we do pies? Sure, we can do pies. We've been doing pies ever since. I think it's been about nine years or maybe eight years. So anyhow, so good to have all of you here. How many first time guests do we have here today? Anyone? Anyone? No one. We're all church family today. Well, give yourself a round of applause for being here. It's also good to have Miss Suber here with us today. And uh, we're going to share something with you along the lines of our sermon series. We've been talking about Jesus being king in our life. And we spent, we kind of, we did a spinoff of Kanye West's album that came out. And I, I think it's a good opportunity for us to embrace the change that's happening in our culture. Uh, If you have any prejudice towards anyone in Hollywood except in Jesus and not feel like it's the real deal, you really need to pray because you you don't know what God is doing in their hearts and lives. And there is a multitude of people that are on the edge of opening up to Jesus and saying, I'm going to make him king also in my life. So our prayer should really be, Father, send more. Let more, God, be converted unto you and let the, let the Spirit of God begin to work in our culture because I'm going to promise you this, and I do, I do know this for a fact. Google did an extra uh, research and checked out the analytics. And ever since Kanye West came out with his album, there have been a number of searches towards Christianity being done on Google. A number of spike, just a spike in the analytics with Google. And so people are searching after Christ. They're looking. They're hungry. And um, we just need to make him king of our life even more every day. How about that? How many of you believe that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? We love him so much. So I'm very excited to talk to you all this Sunday morning. I, I really feel like God's given me some direction. I have some reverb up here. You guys can work on that. Um, I really want to get into this and help you. If there is one thing I've learned throughout the years, I've learned how to hear the voice of God. I've learned how to pray. A lot of the education I've received have been through really problems and struggles and and valleys where God developed me. And there are some keys to this, to hearing God's voice. And I think that's really the answer to a lot of our problems if we just knew what God was saying. If we understood where the Lord was, what his thoughts were on this thing, uh, what what his plan was, what strategy he had to give us, and simply be obedient. It was key for the characters in the scripture, and I, for lack of better expression, uh, the patriarchs in the scripture, matriarchs, all of those that were following after the Lord, all of them knew that the key component to the success and the failure in their life was hearing the voice of God clearly. So that's what we're talking about here this Sunday morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. In the New King James, it says it like this. Who is like a wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's commandments for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Where, repeat this one after me, just repeat after me. Say, where the word of a king is, there is power. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? 
he who keeps the commandments will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. The book of Ecclesiastes has been noted as being written, some believe it was written by Solomon himself, and it's called the, uh, the book of the preacher. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's almost similar to Proverbs in, in its way in its delivery, not quite, but somewhat in the same fashion, giving advice. And when you press this together and you read the commentary on, on this portion of Scripture, you're, you're really uh, paraphrasing it to say something like this. You need to just simply do this in life. If the preacher were to say it to us in layman's terms, he would say something you really need to just focus on, keeping the king's commandments, obeying God, and understanding when he speaks, it will come to pass. And not try to get sidetracked by all the other things in life. Just focus on obeying him. That's really what this portion of scripture is trying to tell us. But he emphasizes it with this one simple phrase and says, where the word of a king is, there is power. There is power. So we're going to talk about that, hearing the king's voice. Jesus is king, but how do we hear his voice? And when he does talk, what happens? How many of you want to hear the voice of God? How many of you want to just hear clearly what God is saying? When God speaks in your life, things happen. Are you ready? Come on, pray for this service. Now it's your turn. Stretch your hands out. Pray God would anoint this atmosphere and, and pray that he would soften and condition your heart and pray that he would anoint me right now with these lips of clay would just simply release the simplicity, the wisdom, the love, and the interpretation of what God would have to tell us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, God, for all the good things in life. Without you, God, we can do nothing. But with you, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Give him one more strong hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Turn around to somebody, give him a high five, and tell him Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And you can be seated. God bless you. We try our very best to be real here at the church, not try to entertain anyone, but try to convey the sincerity of what we feel in our spirit that God is trying to tell us. We hope that you feel that, and we hope that you're sincere when you come into God's presence, because quite honestly, that is the only way you can get anything from God. You have to be real. You have to be ready, and you have to be willing to step into God's presence and say, here I am with the good, bad, and the ugly. Here I am. Do something with me, God. Sometimes in order for God to do something with us, we have to have clear direction. Clear direction in, in understanding what God is actually trying to tell us. Um, not trying to market them at all, but you know, KSBJ has a great slogan that says, God listens. But I think we need to have another billboard out there that says, God speaks. Because God still speaks. The problem is, is that most of the time when, when, when people say they are speaking on God's behalf, they've really not heard the voice of God. They've heard their own voice or another voice that has nothing to do with God and ruined it for all the ones that are listening and hearing from God. So you can't judge because somebody missed it that God doesn't speak, but God speaks. And when God speaks, he is very clear, and God's voice is very simple. He doesn't complicate things. And there are different ways and different avenues of hearing the voice of God and understanding what God is saying. One of those ways is, number one, through the written word through the written word. If you're taking notes today, write this down. There are two avenues for knowing what God is saying. 
The first one is God's written word. The second one is God's spoken word. I still have reverb up here, guys. I don't feel like I'm in a box. So when we, when we are actually in this moment, when we're in this place of trying to interpret and hear what God is saying, we are focused on one thing, getting our own thoughts out of the way, getting our own feelings out of the way, getting our emotions out of the way, because most of the time we can be governed by what we feel rather than what we hear and know. I think everyone wants to get clear direction in their life. I know everyone has ever, I know everyone has said at least one point in their life, if I only knew what to do, if I only understood what I need to say or what the plan is, well, that's where I'm going to try to help you. I'm going to help you today by understanding this. Uh, so great philosophers have come up with the Greek word that actually, uh, you spell it rhema, R-E-M. R-H-E-M-A, rhema. We've used this so much in, 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 I guess, the charismatic movements and different preachers have actually used this as an explanation to talk about the spoken word of God. So when I use that word, I'm going to use that word today to kind of explain how you can hear and what's described as the voice of God. And this is the definition of it. So rhema is a broad term that includes many types of spiritual interactions, many types of spiritual interactions, any method God uses to reveal his specific will to an individual, whether by, number one, divinely directed desires. Let me define that for you. Let me help you with that. A divinely directed desire, just getting worse. Somebody say, Lord Jesus, right now. <laughs> A divinely directed desire. What that means is, is that when you ever find yourself or have ever found yourself in meditation, in prayer, or hungry after the knowledge and the wisdom of God or the heart of God, you have felt a strong desire in your heart. And this is where most of us miss it sometimes because we've not identified the godly desires he's put inside of us. A lot of people even have dreams that come in the form of desire, and we missed it because we don't realize God speaks through desires. There's something that will drive you. Every person is driven by desire, faith, or fear. Every person is driven by a passion. So when you begin to look at the desires that God puts inside of you, you'll begin to help you identify the purpose of God in your life. That's how I realized what, what um, the calling was in my life. At one point, I remember working on a construction site wearing the hard hat, the glasses, and man, I was out there in the field working at these plants around here. And I remember I had a strong desire to, to share the word of God, but I had a strong desire to just share his word in such a, a level of, of, of expectancy and and I actually saw myself and imagined myself um, standing in front of people and talking. And then when that started happening, I thought it was my ego. And I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. God, forgive me for thinking of that and forgive me for, for desiring that. It's not my place, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and then it would happen again. Every time I prayed, every time I fasted, every time I sought God, he would put this desire inside of me. He would put this thing inside of me. And I started, again, like I was walking down the corridors of this plant, walking down these, the, the, these, these um, you know, chemical plants, walking down where the motors were and walking where all, these, all this equipment was. And one time my boss saw me preaching to myself and he said, son, you all right? I said, I'm fine. You find yourself serving, you find yourself praying, you find yourself in your mind desiring to pray for the sick, 
You find yourself having a desire to reach out to the less fortunate. You find yourself in a position to want to give. For those of you that God wants to use financially, he'll place a desire inside of you to want to sow and build the kingdom of God and help other people financially that are less fortunate than you. There are different avenues to define the voice of God in your life. The second one is illumination. This is where the Spirit of God begins to highlight something as you seek after his word. He'll illuminate it or he'll illuminate someone. He'll illuminate a thing sometimes, but most of the time it comes through the written word. So the written word, which is the logos of God, and the spoken word, which is the rhema of God. So when God begins to highlight something, it is the Spirit of the Lord wanting to tell you something. The biggest challenge for us is this. It's stopping long enough so he can. Just stop. The moment you learn how to say no to some things in your life and just simply stop, what is five minutes going to hurt? What is 10 minutes, 20 minutes going to hurt? Anybody in any one of us can just stop, but you can't stop your mind from going. But the illumination and the desire that God puts inside of you, if you're reading the word and you find him highlighting something and jumps out at you, I would latch on to that. I would stay there. I wouldn't even continue to meet your quota on your Bible reading. I would stop right there if I was you. And I would just begin to call it out. I would just begin to release it and speak it. God spoke to me uh, while I was in Austin at one of our connect groups that we have for our organization that we're a part of called Destiny. And while I was sitting in the church that we're there, uh, we were in, the Lord spoke to me and said, you have the gift of miracles. And I didn't understand what he was trying to tell me. But I heard him say it again, you have the gift of miracles. And I started listening to that, and I heard that. Now, I know the voice of God well enough that I know when he's talking to me. I didn't know what to do with it. But then he, I came back to Victoria, and I came into prayer in the morning, and then I asked the Lord, what do I do with that? He said, I gave you a word, now start repeating it. I spoke to you. I gave you a revelation. And so number three, he started to give me a revelation, a vision, and dreams. Going back to number one, but still desires turn into dreams and visions, but revelation and understanding. So I understood something. The Lord began to work in my life, gave me an illumination, gave me a revelation and understanding where now I'm responsible for that word. So I started walking around in my prayer time and started saying things like this. Miracle signs and wonders follow me. Miracle signs and wonders. And I asked the Lord, when have I seen miracle? He said, you've seen it happen throughout your life. Think about this. He said, what do you think that property was? That was a miracle. He said, what do you think the time I healed you and when you were sick was, and I remember that exactly really well. He's healed me many times before, but one time in particular, I'll never forget it. It was so simple, but it was so profound. Where I was getting ready for a Sunday service, and I felt so sick. I had to preach. I didn't have anybody else to call at that time. It was just me, and I, and I didn't have any option. I had to preach. And I got up that morning, I was feverish, aching all over, and I was just standing there, and I said, Lord, I can't do this. You're going to have to do something. All of a sudden, I heard a voice, the voice, I heard that voice, Some, someone said to me, I don't know who that someone was, said, I didn't give it to you. That's all he said. I didn't give it to you. And I built on that rhema, that word. And what I did was I started confessing and I released it. And I said out of my mouth, 
God did not give this to me, therefore I do not receive it. And in that moment, I'm telling you as God is my witness, my fever broke, all the achiness went away, and God instantly healed me of what I thought was the onset of a flu. Instantly healed me. But he released the word to me to do that. And as he gave it to me, there was a witness in the spirit, and I saw the stripes of Jesus Christ. I saw the cross. That's how I know it was God. And he validated it by healing me. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that God wants to talk to you. God wants to give you direction. God wants to give you clear understanding. There are different ways that God begins to talk to you. This is so important to teach about. Some of us, and, 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 and most of the time we stand up here and we just simply want to give you the, 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 the cause and the effect of things and how to deal with the outward and the repercussions of negative things in life. I think God wants us to go to the root of every problem and teach us how to deal with it, work with it, and see things altered in our life. The king still speaks. And when the king speaks, it is our responsibility to carry out his spoken word. And as we carry out his commandment, then we see things begin to change because God will back up his word. God will back up his word. I'm not going to talk too much about the written word today, although you cannot have the spoken word without the written word. You cannot. They work hand in hand. Oops. Nope. Sorry about that. You can't have that. So here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Do you remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness in, in, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 where it says that, that he was there and, and he was being tempted of the devil and, and, the, and Satan told him, turn these stones to bread and, and I believe that you're the son of God. If you are the son of God, and Jesus replied to him and said, man should not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word what? spoken out of the mouth of God. He was not speaking about the written word. He was talking about the spoken word. That's where the scripture says, if you properly put the, the Bible into a proper context, that's what the scripture means when it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God, not you can give faith by the written word and repeating it and meditating on it. It will build your faith because it will undo your negative thinking. But real faith comes when you hear a word from the Spirit speaking to your heart. I'm going to teach you how to get a word today. You don't need to go to a prophet. You don't need to go to a conference. You know, I, I get excited about revivals and all that stuff too. I get excited about going to hear people that move in some prophetic gifts and all of that. I, I do. I get excited about that. But I want to teach you, I believe it's God's will, for every single one of you to learn how to get in your prayer closet and come out with the word from the king. The king wants to talk directly to you. How many of you believe that? The king wants to talk to you. And he has the answer and he has the authority of every, to every problem in your world. Think about that for a moment. He has a solution, he is a solution, and he can, without, any, without breaking a sweat, take care of the solution, take care of the problem, take care of your problem. So anyways, in the general term, a true rhema carries with it a deep inner assurance and witness of the Spirit. There's this, just a strong witness that's there. So let me explain it to you. I'm going to go ahead and give you something here right now. Let me, let me go ahead and do this, just because I know it's important for you guys to just see this kind of stuff sometimes. If I'm going to identify, if I'm going to identify right now this, that is an old-time well. Most of you look at and think of a well, you think of probably something that had the 
little beams there with the bar across and the rope and kind of just winding it down and, you know, the old time wells. And then most of you now live off of wells. We have electric pumps that go down and bring it. How many of you have a water well at your house? Electricity just kind of goes, you know, you have the pump, whether it's a surface one or one that goes submersible, whatever it is that you've got, wells still exist. Well, if I were to identify that right there, I'm going to identify that as the written word. And, and I have to identify what's inside there. If we were to put some water in there, I have to identify this right here as the rhema. Good enough. In order, in order for you to receive something, you're going to have to put your pail or bucket in the well. The written word of God, it is what's going to form the very basis of your resource. God can only use what you put inside of your mind. God can only use what you put inside of your mind. You see, we, we live and have faith by the word of God. We live by the written word, but we need the spoken word. We have to have the written word has to be a continual part of our spiritual nutrition, our daily Daily value in our life, daily value. It has to be priority to have it part of your have it part of your mind. So the logos is like the well of the water, like the water in the well, the well of the water. The logos, the plan, the written word is like the the the, the well itself. But the the spoken word is the actual water and the only way to receive a word is you've got to go deep enough now i know right here it's not that deep i just wanted to show you there's some water in there but really you know that the wells go deeper and so that's the challenge is when you take what you have to retrieve it and to go down deeper i think about the woman of samaria when the woman of samaria was sitting at the well jesus told her would you give me some water and she began to throw a little bit of a, a religious fit or maybe a little bit of a, uh, have a little bit of a pride issue in her life that she had when she said, how can you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for water? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus said, you know, if you knew who it was that was asking you for water, you would have asked him, he would have given you everlasting life. What's amazing to me is, is that he literally just asked her, would you please give me some water? Would you take your pill? Would you take whatever you've got to retrieve me something? I think there's a lesson there. I think the lesson is, is that sometimes that we have to first be willing to go deep for God in order for God to come up to our level to help us. I think that many times we overlook the fact that in order for God to speak to us, we have to stay there long enough to let God allow us to retrieve it. The problem we have is that we are now going into convenience stores and water's not an issue. We just go buy some water. Oh, let me rephrase that. We just can go to church. We just go listen to the preaching. I ain't going to pray. Pastor Bobby prays for me. No, but I don't pray. Don't worry about it. Pastor Bobby does all the praying. That's why we pay him. <laughs> don't tell me some of you had never thought that before. We have to learn how to dig wells. And establish them in our life. You want to know what the enemy used to do? 
to defeat God's people at times. You know what they would like to do? Put rocks in the wells. You know, they would try to cut out their sources. They would try to go in there and they put rocks in those wells. And, you know, it's a terrible thing when, you, when you've got rocks in your well. You know, I think throughout the years, most of us have built a relationship with God. But I think over the years, hell has put some rocks in our well. I think that most of the time that when you allow anxiety and trouble to come into your life and you allow it to be there, you're just allowing that one foundation, that first stone to surmount to other stones and to be the basis of everything else in your life because it, it, it just begins to add and build up one problem. Let me give you some advice. Don't ever allow someone to throw a rock in your well don't ever allow unforgiveness to be in your heart, worry to be in your heart, fear to be in your heart. If I was you, I would get rid of that as soon as you can. Because if you're not careful, leaving one there will be nothing more than just a routine and nothing more than waiting for another to come. And it'll build up. And before you know it, you'll have rocks in your well. And then you got to go into prayer and repent and ask God to forgive you and let him acknowledge, hey, there's some things there. I got to get them out. You know, and, and then it takes time, but you'll, he'll get them out for you. But it's hard to identify sometimes. But thank God that we've got a merciful and forgiving God who's all-powerful by, by simply mentioning his blood and his mercy and his grace. God can do all things, and God can remove things from our life. But until you get your spirit unclogged, you'll never be able to properly retrieve a word from God because the, the bucket just can't go down there. It just doesn't go. It doesn't happen. It, it just takes too much time to do that. Somebody say the written word is important to receive a spoken word. So God talks. God talks. He listens, but God also talks. Number one, and let me give you this. Here's the only point I'm giving you today. The king still speaks. You know, it was so important that Esther, when she was chosen by her uncle to go in and stand before the king to be, a, she was a candidate. She was throwing in her, her you know, herself to try to be chosen. And, and the preparation, if you ever read the preparation of all the, the, the candidates, I, I don't know what to really call them, the potential queens that were going to be chosen, may have been chosen by the king, they spent months, they spent months in, in, in soaking their bodies in essential oils. Some of you ladies like that. Perfumes, herbs, fasting, proper diets. And when the time had come for Esther and she walked in to see the king, he approved of her. I mean, she caught his eye. That was easy because she had a lot of help beforehand. But there came another time in her life where she needed to stand before the king unannounced. She had to stand before him without an invitation. And this time, she knew that if he, if anyone, this is, what it, this is how powerful it was, and how it is within a monarchy, if you walk in unannounced, the king will pronounce judgment if it displeases him or you're not welcomed. She knew that, and so what she did this time around, she decided that she was going to fast. And not only did she fast, she said, everybody, everybody's got to fast. If I'm going down, you're all going down. I mean, she said, I want the dog and the cat and the cow and the goat, and I want my relatives, my aunts, my uncles, my theos, my the I want them all. Everybody's got to fast. Three days. No eating, no drinking. After three days, she stood in before the king, and it pleased him. 
And he said this. Listen to what he said. He said, whatever you want, even up to half of my kingdom. Boing. It's like, right, right, chalupa, right? Bingo. Some of you don't even know what that is. Mexican, you've never played Mexican bingo. Anyhow. Bingo, right? That's like, hit the jackpot, man. Wow, half of the kingdom? I would have been like, dancing, doing whatever, man. I would have been excited. I would have been shouting. You know what she said? Not yet. All I want you to do is come and have, come and have dinner with me. Come have dinner with me. She was precise. She was precise in what she wanted. And she knew exactly what she had to tell him at his request. At, you know, he, she knew her request before was going to have to be uh, so strategic and, and it's going to have to depend on uh, really his power and authority to, to release her people. What I'm trying to tell you is is that when God calls you and gives you an assignment, the only one that will be able to fulfill that assignment is going to come from the authority of the one who gave it to you. The only one. Esther went to the king. She didn't waste her time going to anybody else. She didn't try going to persuade Haman. She didn't try to go talk to... She went straight to the source. Can I encourage all of you? The moment you decide... No matter what it takes, I'm going to step before the king and get an answer. And when you're determined to get a word from God, and when you're determined to receive something from the Lord, even if you don't fully understand it, and God talks to you, you need to grab a hold of that thing. You need to start confessing that thing. Don't, don't jump the gun and feel like it's over. Take your time like Esther did and think it through and be strategic and go with the next plan and get ready. It's consistency. What was cool about Esther was this, that she didn't get overwhelmed. She didn't like let it get to her head and said, hey, there's somebody after my people and I need you to take care of it. I mean, bam, right? She didn't go all mafioso on them, right? Just, here it is, man. They're after me. Honey, honey, I need you to take care of it. <laughs> she, she thought it through. She knew this is what has to happen. There's more involved. See, most of us, we get too excited just by reading the Word of God, and we think we just go out there and start declaring everything and make a fool of yourself when we have no depth inside of us. That's the problem. This is why most people have uh, uh, something bad to say about Christianity because they know the written word, they know it, but they've not spent time enough to let the king back it up. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Esther went through preparation. Esther went through preparation to receive a word from the king, and then when she received a word for the king, she didn't take it for granted. She took the word and became a good steward of it and said, I'm going to stretch this thing out. I'd like to have dinner with you. That's a deep word, man. If you want a word that will last, if you want something from God, take your time. Take your time and build a well. Build a well, a place so you can let the Spirit of God use your mind to retrieve and let the Spirit of God talk. Am I talking to anybody here this Sunday morning? you got to take your time. Take your time. And know that, you know, you just, I, I appreciate the Word of God. I love the written Word of God. But the whole purpose of the logos of God is to receive a rhema from God. I'm going to tell you right now, let me break and burst a big religious bubble and let me just simply kill a big fat elephant right now in Christianity. Because a few people have messed up and said they received a word of God and it wasn't, they tried to spoil it, hell tried to spoil it for everyone else who does. 
get off of the past or whoever else has made the mistake and get a word of God for yourself and get hungry and realize that the king still talks and he wants to release authority in your life. He wants, this is where the, I'm going to give you the secret now. Are you ready? When you are in prayer and when you are seeking God and the inspiration and the illumination and when God begins to talk through you, this is where when you just simply repeat what the Spirit is saying, angels hear the voice of the Lord, not the voice of Bobby or your name. It's not that. They recognize the voice of God, and they recognize the commandments. And things begin to move, and things begin to happen, because where the word of a king is, there's power. Power. Hell has no choice but to obey the word of the Lord. That's exactly how Jesus defeated Satan he took the logos. Did you know that, that Matthew chapter 4, when he said man should not live by bread alone, actually got, he got that word from Deuteronomy? That's where he got it. He spoke the written word at that moment. It kept him. It kept his mind. Because in the temptation of Christ, the whole objective was for him not to sin. And the logos, the written word of God, kept him. But watch this. He did not have power in the wilderness. Oh, this is so good, man. Good job, Pastor. But if I have a dollar, I'd give yourself an offer. Right I would. Jesus didn't have power in the wilderness. He had the written word. But listen to what the scripture says. When he chose to speak the written word, then the Bible says angels came and ministered to him, then he came out with what? Power. Angels are messengers sent forth to give the word of the Lord, and the, the Holy Spirit will give it to us, but angels carry it out. Angels carry it out. Oh, my gosh. Did you know that you have angels in your life? Is this too deep? Is this too weird? Does anybody believe this this Sunday morning? I'm asking because it's Bible. It's Bible. Anytime Jesus spoke in the Bible, he would emphasize his statements with verily, verily. Verily, verily was another word used and interpreted in the Greek as amen. The word amen is the most remarkable word. It's transliterated directly from the Hebrew into the Greek of the New Testament and then into Latin and then into English and many other languages and so that it was practically used as a universal word, the word amen. And then it's been called the best known word in the human language, amen. The word directly related, in fact, identically to the Hebrew word believe. It's directly identified from the Hebrew word believe and the word amen or faithful. Thus, it means sure and truly. So when Jesus said in many portions of Scripture, verily, verily, like in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18 where he said this, verily, verily, for verily I say to you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. He was simply saying, you can take it to the bank, it will come to pass. Amen. It's a fact, it will happen, and, I, and, and all of heaven stands behind it. His verily, verily, was an amen to his statement he was fixing to make. That means it is settled. It is done. As he spoke it in that moment, the Spirit of God has already called it done. Jesus spoke with authority is the point. 
He walked on this terra firma with authority. Again, Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, and whoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say to you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Somebody say amen. amen. The scripture says also that whenever you water other people, yourself will be watered. God sees it and God will bless you for being a blessing to other people. Why? Because the king has spoken. The king has spoken. Jesus spoke with authority, and I don't think he had to even scream. I don't think he had to shout. I don't think he had to get all emotional about it. I think that when he just simply heard it, he said, the words that I speak are not my own, but they belong to my Father. He said, my words, their spirit and their life, they're not like your words. So sometimes our words can be empty, full of false emotions. But when the spirit of truth, when the king begins to talk, and we can hear what the king says, we have authority in our life. That's what made Nehemiah such a powerful individual. And he was just a cupbearer. Can you imagine just being a cupbearer? Just being a cupbearer. All he had to do was pour out of that cup into another cup, make sure it wasn't poisoned. He tested everything from the food to the drinks. Anything that went into the lips of the king, the cupbearer had to test it first. And so that cupbearer, the king had to trust with his life. That's why he had a good relationship with the king. And that's why whenever Nehemiah was affected, it affected the king he said, you're sad today, man. What's going on? He had a heart for his friend. And he said, it's, it's my people. I need help. I need to go back home. I need to help build the walls. And he said, whatever you'd like to do, take as much time as you want. And by the way, I'm going to go ahead and make a decree. I'm going to make a decree. I'm going to give you letters. Someone say the written word. I'm going to give you letters, and wherever you take that letter, you hand it to, the province, to, the, to those in the province, and you hand it to those in authority, and, and let them read it. And when they read that word, and they obey that word, then you'll have all your needs met. It's not good enough just to have a written word. The written word has to be obeyed and fulfilled. So much to that. Jesus continued on. I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. You know that's talking about you and I, right? You know that's talking about you and I? It's saying that we're the least in the kingdom as far as us saying not top priority, but it's saying most important to him because we're of a humble status knowing that we're not saved except by the blood of Jesus Christ and we know that he's forgiven us of our sins. We don't have an ego this big thinking, oh my God, look what we can do. Look what we have done. But God's people, God's people say, look what the Lord has done. They are least in the kingdom of God who thought someone, doesn't matter who they are, what their opinion is about you, thought that you were the least, and some of you shouldn't even be in church. Some of us shouldn't even be here, but here we are, the least of us, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, doing the right thing, living the right life, obeying the right words keeping our minds together in the right place. I'm telling you here right now that God knows how to raise up a life that you thought was dead, raise up a dream you thought was dead, 
God knows how to make things resurrected in your life. But let me give you the key. The key is, are you hearing his voice and are you obeying it? Anything can change at any moment. Can I leave you with one more example? Can I leave you with one more example? How many of you want one more example? Let me give you one more example. Let me, oops. Here's a chart I have right here. Here's a chart. Let me explain this to you. There are barriers from hearing the voice of God. One of those barriers is our flesh, which is the body. In our flesh, it causes distance from God. See, Nehemiah heard the voice of the king because he had proximity. He had proximity. He was close. In our flesh, our flesh can cause us to have distance through carnality in our body. These are the three areas of our life, body, soul, and spirit. And then then we have the mind or the soul. This brings distraction. This brings distractions. By allowing thoughts to come in that are totally contrary to what God is saying or what God has. And the third one is our spirit. Because if we're not careful, we'll start believing our own desires and our own thoughts and we become delusional. Our spirit man can become delusional by discerning the wrong things and following after the wrong voices. Every one of these have an avenue right here. So through the body, you've got five gates of entry, which is the feel gate touching, which is the taste of the mouth gate. All of these affect the spirit man. All of these affect the soul. Hearing the ear gate, smell the nose gate, Eye, sight, the sight gate, what we see. So what we see, smell, hear, taste, and touch can all affect us and comes into our soul through imagination, conscience, memory, reason, affection through our touch. With the wrong affections, with the wrong reasoning, with the wrong thoughts, with the wrong conscience that's been seared, with the wrong imagination that's been brought into our minds because we have imagination based on things we have seen. And with all of this, it affects the soul. And there's only one thing that can divide the soul from the spirit right here, dividing asunder soul and spirit. That's the word of God. The scripture says the word of God is a discerner of the heart and the intents of the heart. And it's powerful. It's a two-edged sword. And when God begins to speak, God can carve those things that have infiltrated your heart and your spirit and your body everywhere and cut them out of your life. He can cut them out of your life. This is where God begins to work. This is what begins to happen. In everything that we go through, in everything that we experience, the whole objective of the devil is to do this, guys. The whole objective. What he would love to do is take all of this and capture it. Capture it and come in by simply, let me go back and do this. Actually, he would love to bring the wrong things into every area to infiltrate, to stop the Holy Spirit and from you from hearing the voice of God. Here's what's fascinating about this. How many of you came here out of desire today? You can probably think I'm crazy. I believe that was the voice of God. But you think about this for a moment. It was God putting a desire inside of you, and maybe you retrieved it back because you're, you have been 
You've been dieting. You've been eating. You've changed your lifestyle spiritually to consume the things of God, and you come to the house of God to get more, but only God can give you that desire. And when you feel a burning in your spirit and you feel compelled to go to the house of God, it is the voice of God saying, go to my house. It is the voice of God trying to compel you to make the right decisions. That's where righteousness comes from. You see, obedience precedes righteousness. Let me help you, let me help you understand this. Write this down if you're taking notes. The voice of God comes. Are you ready? The voice, the logos or the rhema of God is there. See, religion will do its best to obey the written word. That's religion. Relationship says, I'm going to take the written word to hear the voice of the word of the Lord to obey his voice. That's relationship. So, the voice of God, whether it be written or spoken, has to be obeyed. Now, here it is. Obedience leads to righteousness. If you obey, then you're making the right choice. That means that God causes you to hear the right, here's how you get righteousness in your life, by obeying the voice of God. See, God speaks. Maybe you haven't interpreted his voice but when you get a prayer life and start reading the word, that desire that you start feeling, you get more sensitive, you start developing hearing. Oh, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to help you. I want to help you so bad. I want to help you so much. All of these areas right here, let me help you. All of these areas right here that are developed in your physical senses, if you'll stay consistent with God, pray and fast, you can develop these in your spiritual senses. How many of you are hungry for God? How many of you want to go deeper in God? You can develop these. And you'll start to see what God is seeing. He'll show you things. Well, obedience leads to righteousness. Righteousness, are you ready? And right standing with God leads to holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is when you're in right standing and doing the right thing, keeping away from the wrong thing, separate unto God. And the scripture says, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Thank God for the blood, right? But I'm telling you, obedience leads to righteousness. Righteousness leads to holiness. And holiness leads to intimacy with God. And that's where favor, blessing can all come in. I don't know about you. Come on, Haley. Wherever you're at, raise your hand. I don't know about you. Today I was trying to teach you and slow down enough. We've had some good services. We spit and spit our spit a little bit, but not too much. We've had some services here. We've been more evangelistic in some, in some sense of the word. But here's, here's what I do know. That we've got to stop long enough to dig some wells. We have to stop long enough to get the word of God inside of us. To hear his voice and develop our spiritual senses. When it boils down to it. When it boils down to When it comes down to it, folks. You know, God knows where that next job for you is at. God knows who that person is in your relationship, is where he's, or she, he or she is located. God knows what the answer to your financial difficulties are. God can answer and perform miracles, but all you need is just a word from the king. Just a word from the king. And one word, folks, one word will change and alter everything. If you're tired of a certain routine or attack or whatever you're going through in your family, in your life, guess what? 
there is somebody who can do something about it. There is somebody who can do something about it. He has all authority. He has all dominion. He has all power. He has all might. He has every angel at the end of his fingertips to point and direct them and tell them what to do. All you need is, is let the Spirit of God speak into your life. Capture it. Capture it and begin to recite it and begin to speak it and begin to release it and begin to open your heart to it. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.